This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Because we believe in miracles. Wow, we all do believe in miracles. I didn't think so. One of the big things about Judaism is we believe in angels, we believe in miracles, we believe in life after death, all these things, all the good things we believe in. Baruch Hashem. And we believe in God who's good. Fantastic. You know, God who's good, who wants good for us. The only problem is we have this problem, which is there's evil on earth. The problem is there's evil in the world. How do we resolve evil with the presence of a good God? And the answer is free choice. God wants to give us free choice. And since He gives us free choice, we have the ability to choose. That's, that's the greatest of human beings. Human beings have the ability to choose. As Rambam says, that is the pshat of Selem Elohim. Selem Elohim, God gives us this uh, gift. We are created in the image of God. We have this ability to choose, which is a God-given gift. So we believe in miracles, that Hashem makes miracles. And we've seen in our history, in Jewish history, many miracles, right? The great miracles in Egypt, especially, right? But one of the biggest miracles, I think, is the birth of Yitzchak. Here's this woman, barren till the age of 90. 90 years old, woman. She never had a period. The rabbis say she never had a uterus, even. She never had a womb. A tremendous miracle this woman gives. We are all descendants of this miracle. We are descendants of this miracle. We have to believe in miracles. Why? Because we are descended from a miracle. This, this child was born at the age of 90, this woman, who could never have babies. There's no way she could have a baby, a natural way. And Hashem made a miracle. So we see there's the miracles in, in the world, the miracles that exist. So we know the story coming out of Egypt, the ten plagues, and the splitting of the sea, and the, the water from the rock and the matter from heaven, all these things are massive miracles. We, we have to see them to believe them. We have to see them to believe them. So the Raman says an amazing thing. The Raman says, and this is Hilchot Yesodei Torah, which is the foundations of the Torah, in the Mishnah Torah, chapter 8. The Raman says, the Jews did not believe in Moshe because of the wonders that he performed. We don't believe in Moses, our prophet, because of the wonders that he performed. Why? Because if you believe because of miracles, then a person might have second thoughts and say, you know what, they're not miracles, they're magic. You know, those days especially, society was full of black magic. Voodoo, black magic. Till today, some places in black Africa, it's all voodoo and black magic. It's the witch, witch doctor. The witch doctor runs the society. And they put a pin in, in a doll, the guy dies the next day. Tell him, listen, I put a pin in the doll, you're going to die tomorrow. So the guy says, okay, I'm going to die tomorrow. He accepts it. Why? Because they believe so strongly in the miracles. They believe so strongly in the magic. So we don't believe in Moshe because of the miracles, because people could interpret and say, you know, it's not really a miracle, it's magic, and therefore Moshe Rabbein doesn't know what he's talking about. So therefore we do not believe in Moshe because of the miracles. So why do we believe in Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy? And Rabban tells us another thing. He says, all the wonders and miracles that Moshe Rabbeinu did was not because he wanted to prove his point. It's because he needed to do them for a certain purpose. He needed to do them. He needed to uh, bring the plagues to get the Jews out of Egypt. He needed to split the sea to drown the Egyptians. He needed food, so he brought the manna. We were thirsty, he split the rock. He didn't do it because he wanted to prove his prophecy. So how do we know Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy is true? Because we heard God talking to Moshe. There was national revelation on Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, and Shavuot. We heard God talking to Moshe. Moshe, Moshe. Hey, who's talking? Hey, God's talking to him. God's giving him its word. We heard the fact that God talks to man. We believe in God, and we believe that God talks to man. How do we know? Because we heard it ourselves. Can you imagine? It's the only time in history there was national revelation. Masses of people, millions of people saw and heard God speaking to Moshe. Millions of people. 
There's no other religion based on mass revelation except for Judaism. Right? Christianity, maybe 13 people saw a revelation. Uh, Muslims, it was just Muhammad and his donkey saw revelation. It's the only religion that has mass revelation. Everyone at Sinai, all of us. All of us were there, our souls were there, all the converts, their souls were there at Sinai. They heard, they saw, and that's why we believe in God. 3,300 years later, we still believe. How do we believe? Because it penetrated. Because this massive event. So we believe in miracles. Amazing. We believe in miracles. We believe in miracles. We believe in prophecy. We believe in revelation. So the question is, what is a miracle? Let's move on. What is a miracle? So Rambam gives us two options. Number one is, he says, there's nature and there's miracle. Nature is, we see the sunrise every day, sunset every day, the, the wind, the rain, all these things. Nature. What comes out of nature, things which are exceptional to nature, is a miracle. What we call a miracle is something which deviates from nature. Right? So any deviation from nature, a strange deviation, is a miracle. Which is not, and a thing which is natural, you can explain in a natural way. It's interesting, every year the New York Times has an article trying to explain the crossing of the sea. They have a, trying to give a science, every year they have to give us an explanation. Every single year in Science Times you'll find, around Pesach, I don't know why they have to do this. Every, it's like every single year without fail, they have an article trying to explain how the sea split in a natural way. Okay. You know the famous joke, is the kid went to, goes to Hebrew school, and he comes home, and his mom says, what do you teach you in Hebrew school? He said, Ma, I can't tell you, Ma. I said, why? Why can't you tell me? Please tell me. I said, no, Ma, you'll never believe me, what they told me. You'll never believe me. What you I said, tell me what happened. I said, oh, Ma, I said, they tell me that Moshe Rabbeinu put up his stick and the, the whole sea split. You'll never believe me, Ma. <laughs> so the answer is yes, we do believe miracles. We do believe these things can happen. We do believe that some things can, Hashem can change nature. And that's what a miracle is. That's the first opinion of the Rambam. Hashem has the power to override nature. He has an override button. He can override nature whenever he wants. And that's a miracle. What we call a miracle is overriding nature. The second option he gives is interesting. He based himself on a Midrash. And this Midrash is in a few places. It's a Midrash in Bereshit Rabbah, which is the Midrash we have over here, the blue one. Yes, oh, it's actually red now. This here is called the Midrash Rabbah, the series over here. That's the Midrash Rabbah. And the Midrash Rabbah in Bereshit, and also on Kohelet. So the Midrash Rabbah on Kohelet as well. So the Midrash says, amazing Midrash, the miracles are based on nature, which is pre-programmed. What does that mean? Hashem, when He created the world, pre-programmed nature to do certain things at certain times. Only God knows when it's going to happen. Right? So Hashem pre-programmed the sea, the Red Sea, to split at a certain time. Now only God knows what time it was meant to split. And therefore He took the Jews there exactly that time, and they crossed that time. Exactly that time. All these, all these miracles, the ten plagues, were all pre-programmed into nature. In other words, when God created the world, He pre-programmed them into nature. I mean, today we know what it's like. Today we pre-program our houses. You have this device called Nest, which uh, Google bought, right? For billions of dollars or whatever. I, I don't you can pre-program your house. What does that mean? Your house, the lights go on right, for Shabbat. We put our, put our timers on, right? You are pre-programming your house. So Hashem has a timer in history. He puts a timer on at uh, 4 p.m., 4 a.m., whatever it is, on Nissan, whatever it is, the sea splits at a certain year. So God knows when it's going to happen, and God uh, changes history to apply to that these things will happen at a certain time. Okay, so it's pre-programmed into nature. That's the second opinion. Uh, He likes the first opinion. He says, there's nature and there's an override button. Miracles are an override in nature. So there's two opinions Ramban brings down. Then we have the Ramban. Amazing Ramban. The Ramban says, even nature is a miracle. Nature is a miracle. You think it's normal for water? 
hydrogen and oxygen combining things. You think it's normal? You know, it's a beautiful story. The Gemara, the Gemara says, Nachumish Gamzu. What was his favorite saying? Gamzu Latova. Nachumish Gamzu. He was poor, destitute, and his wife, his, his, his daughter comes to him one Friday. Daddy, there's no oil to light the candles. Those are like candles with oil, olive oil. There's no oil. So what's the problem? What do you have in the house? Vinegar. So light the vinegar. If God told the oil to light, God told vinegar to light. For him, everything's a miracle. That's a Ramban. Everything is a miracle. The fact that oil burns, we take for granted, right? It's a miracle. It's a hidden miracle. Just the laws of physics are miracles. We don't really understand this. All these laws of physics, they're too simple. But they, they work. Somehow they work. But we don't understand. It's a hidden miracle, the fact that these things work. The fact that you can combine atoms, you can split atoms. It's a miracle. But we, we can't see it. We take it for granted because it's so easy. To, it's so obvious. It's so easy to do. But it's not. It's a, it's a miracle. We have to understand. This is God's power. The fact that these things happen is God's power. And therefore, if God can make light, the oil burn, He can also make vinegar burn. And that's what she did. She put the vinegar and she lit the candle. <laughs> Wish I could do that. <laughs> you make a new formula for vinegar, vinegar burning. It's amazing. But why? Because His power of belief. In other words, a person has to have the power of belief. If you believe in miracles, I should say, I'll make a miracle for you. You really believe in it? I'll make it happen. If you really believe you're going to get well, you'll get well. If you really believe Hashem is the power, you'll, you'll power Hashem's power will cure you. A person has a terrific belief. It's possible to do anything with belief. Because if a person believes in the power of God, you become, you become a vessel for the power of God. And we find many miracles in the Torah, which we talked about in the Book of Kings, which was our topic on Shabbat. The Book of Kings, uh, Eliyahu Navi, Elijah the prophet, and the woman comes to him, the Shunami, she says, I don't have any food in the house. And they're going to take the, the guys, I let, uh, my, my husband was a big tzaddik, his name was Avadia. He was a convert from Edom, and he saved a hundred prophets. He was supporting them himself. hundred prophets, fifty prophets in a cave from the king of Israel who wanted to kill all the prophets. Can you imagine the king of Israel wants to kill all the prophets? Because he's evil. He's, he's worshipping idols. The prophets are rebuking him. Ahab, he wants to kill a hundred prophets. And I hid them. My, my husband hid them, fifty in a cave, and he borrowed money to support them. And now the guy he borrowed from, the king's son, he wants the money back, and I have no money to pay him. He wants to take my sons to be slaves. What do I do? Eliyahu, help me. He says, what do you have in the house? She says, I have uh, a little bit of oil. It's okay. I borrow vessels. As many vessels from your neighbors, empty vessels. And take that oil and pour it. And the oil kept on pouring. Pouring oil, oil, oil. Imagine, think about it. All those vessels are now full. And the oil stops. It's amazing. So miracles can happen. You believe in miracles, miracles can happen. If person doesn't believe in the miracles, it's not going to happen. You have to believe in the miracle. You have to believe in Hashem. So the miraculous wonders, Hashem, so the Rambam, Ramban, this is Nachmanides. Nachmanides says there are four big lies out there in the world. Four big philosophical lies. Number one is, this is Aristotle, the world always existed. Big lie, number one. The world always existed. It never had a creator, never created, never began. There was no creator or creation. The world always existed. Today we know, Baruch Hashem, the Big Bang Theory, right? That even the scientists acknowledge there was a creation. It's amazing. And there's a beautiful article by the, uh, Professor Jastrow. Professor Jastrow was the head of NASA. In the, I don't know, in the 70s. And uh, that's when they, uh, the Big Bang uh, formula, the Big Bang thing was really accepted, uh, 100%. Uh, in fact, we had a guy in, in town who was one of the authors of Big Bang Theory, Arno Penzias. Right. Yeah. He used to live in town. He's got a conservative school next door. Arno Penzias, big tzaddik. Why? He proved, Baruch Hashem. Without a shadow of a doubt that it's creation. Boom. Everything happened in a few seconds. The Big Bang Theory. Everything in the world was created in a few seconds. Pff, all came about. 
Amazing, amazing. Think about it. So here we are. He writes a beautiful article. He says, here we are, these scientists. We are scientists climbing the mountain of knowledge. And we get to the top of the mountain. Who do you see over there? He says, he didn't say rabbis. He says, a bunch of theologians. And they're telling us, we told you so. You didn't, you didn't think that the world was created one second, but we told you so. It says, Bereshit Barayat Akim is so amazing. This is the words the Torah says. Bereshit Barayat Akim is so true. In the beginning, God created. Everything was created. All of a sudden, boom, everything came about. Amazing. So the Big Bang Theory. Anyway, so Aristotle was proved wrong. He says the world always existed. There is no creator. There is no creation. We know today there was a creation. And the scientists still don't admit who created it. There was a creator. Some scientists do say a creator. Uh, Fred Hoyle, very famous astronomer, says a creator. Others say the power. Others say we don't know. We can't tell. But we do know science, you can't go back before that because there's no science. You can't measure things with things that never existed. Science, there's a, there's, they call it a, a cosmic wall of fabrication, like an iron wall. You cannot, science cannot build, go past that iron wall. There's nothing to measure. Science is based on fact. It's not based on fiction. It's not based on things you can't see. Yes. There's something on top of that you're speaking about. It seems like... Um certain times, Hashem opens up the scientist's eyes. In other words, a hundred years ago, people would have said, no one can go to the moon. And, you know, no one can talk yes. through something that's not connected. Yes. And like now, what you're saying, the scientists come to this realization. But it seems both in technology and in... It's a Zohar. It's a beautiful Zohar. The Zohar says... Hashem opens it up. The Zohar says, amazing thing, the Zohar says, in the fifth, uh, fifth century of the fifth millennia, 5500 in the Jewish calendar, the, wall, uh, the, the, the doors of knowledge will be opened. And that's exactly when the Industrial Revolution started. Exactly to the date. It's amazing. 5,500. The Zohar says, on the 5th century, the 5th millennia, the walls of knowledge will open to the world. <laughs> and that will held the Messianic Age. That's what will happen. That's what will happen eventually. And what we're waiting for, I'll tell you what we're waiting for. I'll tell you what we're waiting for. We're waiting, waiting for science to discover the soul. When science discovered the soul, we're finished. That's it. It proved, proven. We communicate with the soul. That's it. And science will get to that point where they know the guy is dead, there's no soul, the soul's gone. How, how, we're getting close to that because there's many afterlife experiences. It says how the doctors are right now, all these, uh, what's it called? Huh? There's a book called Beyond Life. Yeah, there's a whole book. There's a book written by doctors. These are, these are not Jewish doctors. They're writing books, they're working in the emergency room, and, they, and they're seeing. The guy, he was clinically dead. He comes back and says, I saw, I saw my soul came out. I, I saw the body. I saw you working on me. I saw you, what you're doing. I, I heard we talking. So we're getting to the point where these things are being written down. There's many, many, um, there's many books written about this topic. Um, after life experiences, many pardon. Things called many life, many souls. But there's many books. It's not just one book. It's many books. The Rambam said that Hashem had pre-built in the time when um, you know the fish would spit out Yono, the time when Sarah would be able to have a baby. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's what Zohar says. That's what Zohar says. Zohar says 5,500. So now we're 5,700. So 200 odd years ago, 200 years ago, that's when the, that's when the work, uh, book knowledge started. Seven, uh, it's the beginning of the 1800s. Interesting. That's when the Industrial Revolution. Uh, Stevenson invented the railway, right? The uh, locomotive in Scotland. This guy in Scottish. He saw the kettle bubbling on the... You see the kettle bubbling all the time. For thousands of years you saw a kettle bubbling and the people didn't even think about it. Steam energy. And he harnessed the power of steam. He made a locomotive. Think about it. Just... Well, Newton's sitting under the tree, the apple fell on his tree. Now, how many, how many people had sitting under the tree and the apple falls on the head? And then he starts thinking about gravity. I mean, these are inspirations. Hashem is opening the doors of inspiration.
So anyway, so uh, rule number one, which is a big lie. Lie number one is the world has no creator and there was no creation. It's always been there. Wrong. Number two, God exists, but he has no knowledge of the world. There's a God, but he doesn't know what's going on. Okay, we know that's not true. We're going to come to that. Number three, this is a big, big lie number two. Big, number, uh, big lie number three. God has knowledge of the people and events in our world, but he cannot change anything. God is limited in his capabilities. That's, rule, that's lie number three. Lie number four, there is no reward and no punishment. See, the righteous uh, suffering and the wicked prospering, there's no reward and punishment in the world. All these are the big four lies, and the Ramban comes along to say, wrong. And the biggest proof that they're wrong is miracles. We're going to come to the miracles. What was number four? There's no reward and no punishment. Biggest lie. Put over there, lie number four. This is not something we believe in. This is a lie. And Jesus believes the opposite. We believe in the opposite of all these four things. We believe there is a creator and there is a creation. Number two, we believe that God has knowledge of everything in the world. Number three is we believe God does interfere if he wants to. And number four is we believe that... Come on, let's go. I'm doing all the work over here. <laughs> huh? There is a reward of punishment. Thank you. Number four is we believe in reward of punishment. In fact, it's one of the 30 principles of faith. We believe in reward of punishment. Eventually, everyone will get the just desserts. So a righteous person who suffered in this world will get righteous, he'll get the just rewards of the next world. He'll believe in the next world. As the, one of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's, when the Russians put a gun to his head, and they said, you're not allowed to teach Torah anymore, and he wasn't trembling. They said, normally we put a gun to people's heads, they start trembling. How come you're not trembling? He says, you have one bullet and I have two lives. <laughs> we believe in another life. We're not, we're not scared. We're not phased by death. Death doesn't phase us. The only problem is, when you're dead, you can't do mitzvot. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was crying about. I want to stay alive to do good as much as I can. I want to do as many mitzvot as I can. This is the world to do mitzvot. So the Vilna Gaon, before he died, was crying over his tzitzit. He has the strings. We just read the parasha last week. In the parasha just yesterday. Tzitzit. So it's so easy to do mitzvah in this world. For a few pennies, I can buy these strings that do a mitzvah. In the next world, there's no mitzvot. You know, obligations. There's no free will. Now's the time to do it. We have to snatch it, huh? I think it's important to differentiate because the Arabs like like praise, well, like if you die in in the name of Allah, then you have mushroom. No, so we have to differentiate because you said the Jews don't don't. We don't glorify death. We don't look forward to death. Because okay. you said we we're not phased over death. I we're not phased. What does it mean? It doesn't scare us, but it's a waste. Death is a waste. Why? It's a waste of potential. Yeah. While we're alive, we have potential. When a person dies, there's no potential. That's it. Whatever they reach. Whatever, whatever plateau you reach when you die, that's where you stay the rest of time. You stay on that level the rest of time, except for... Your uh, answer, your uh, generations. Yes, the children that come after you could raise you up. Mm-hmm. Or the deeds you, de- le- you, de- you left behind. The person invested, say, in a yeshiva. Uh, the deeds you left behind, you have interest payments of what you left behind. You're getting interest payments. So it's interesting. So we can leave that what we leave. We leave good effects in this world, the ripple effects of what we did. The ripple effects of us still getting rewarded in the next world. The ripple effects. So say Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, we're the descendants. The descendants are still learning Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu, we're still learning your Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu is happy. He's getting reward for all the people still learning Torah. He got the Torah. Rashi. Every time you read Rashi, Rashi is getting, uh, he's getting a few points up there. We're talking about Rambam, Ramban. We're mentioning their names. They're so happy we're mentioning their names. Maybe their souls are here listening. Why? Because they're getting reward, they're getting credit. It's amazing. Did they believe in, in, in life after death? Who? Whoever believed in lies. Oh, the lies? Yeah. Is that part I of it? I don't think so. Yeah, part of, it, part of it, they don't believe in the next world. They don't believe in spiritual worlds. 
the, the pagans in those days only believed in things you could see. They believed in things. If you can't see it, it doesn't exist. Very simple. Whatever, whatever you can't see, that's why to believe in an invisible God was way above them. They said Jews are atheists. If God is invisible, it means you're making a mockery out of God. God is invisible, he doesn't exist. So the, the Romans and the Greeks said about the Jews that we were atheists because we don't believe in God. What do you mean you don't believe in God? We do believe in God, but he's invisible. They couldn't accept that. Invisible means he doesn't exist. You're saying God doesn't exist. You're just couching a different language. So we believe that God, number one is, God created the world. Number two is, the world is created. Number three is, God exists, and he has knowledge of the world. Number four is, God has knowledge of the world, and he gets involved in the world. And number four is, there is reward and punishment. And number five is, there is life after death. It's amazing. There is life after death. So what is a miracle? Everything's a miracle, Ramban, Ramban says. Nachmanides says, even nature is a miracle. We, we take it for granted, but nature is a miracle. You walk and you don't fall off the earth. The earth is a ball. I mean, it's hard to imagine. You're walking around a ball. You're flying, you're flying around a ball. It's hard to imagine. The earth is such a big ball, it's, it looks like it's flat, but it's not flat. A big debate, right? Time of Columbus. Is Columbus going to fall off the edge of the earth? They said, Columbus, you're mad. You're going to fall off the edge of the earth. He says, no, I know. I know the maps. I've uh, seen there's the way to the India through the, through the side. The earth is round. Even though he didn't actually get there. He got to West India. He called it, what he, that's why he called the West Indies. Because he thought he got to India. He thought he got to India. The truth is, if he kept going, if you go through the Panama Canal, and just keep on going, you'll get there eventually. He didn't know. He didn't know about it. No one knew about this continent. This continent was not known at that time. He was the one who found it. Well, it was known for some people. They were there already. So anyway, so there's, there's different kinds. There's, so Rabban says, we're living in the age of Hester Panim. What's Hester Panim? Where God's face is hidden, which means there are no revealed miracles today, but there are hidden miracles. The hidden miracles are nature. Just look around you. It's amazing. Nature is so amazing. We have to understand nature itself is a miracle. That's what Ramban is telling us. You want to see God in the world? Look at nature. In fact, Ramban also says that. If you want to get closer to God, how do you get to love to God? The answer is look at nature and see what God created for us. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a miracle. It really is a miracle. See how uh, chickens lay eggs and have babies, and the world just keeps on going. You see, I just saw an elephant. Uh, where did they? Where was that? A elephant had a baby in uh, in, a, in a zoo in Australia. Was it? It's not like gorilla the gorilla was born. You see how they're born. But you know what? They're, they're, they're born and they're, they're moving the same day. The child is helpless. An animal is, is already one day old is running around. I was holding a, new, I was holding a newborn mm-hmm. and I looked at his eyelashes and the smallest one was so minuscule and I said, it, it just, I just saw Hashem. Yeah, only, but it's amazing. Yeah, look inside the stomach, you'll see even better. It looks, yeah, it grows. It's amazing. It looks like a fish. It's amazing. Development of man. Miracle. Total miracle. Okay, so we are living in an age of hidden miracles. Hester Pani. But they're miracles. Just, we just can't see them. We look at them because everything happens every day. So we take it, that's nature. Nature is hidden miracles that happen every day. That's Ramban. Hidden miracles happen every day. So, compl- uh, so, so frequent, we take it for granted and we lose sight that it's a miracle. We lose sight that nature itself is a miracle. That's what we lose sight. It's a miracle. The moon just keeps on going around the earth. It's amazing. The moon is going around itself. And the earth is going around the sun. And the sun is going around the center of the universe. Where, where it's going? Center, center of, the, of the galaxy. And the galaxy is going around the center of the universe. Hard to imagine, right? It's hard to imagine how many stars there are in the galaxy. We're in this galaxy called the Milky Way. Oh, well, you know, it's an advertisement for the chocolate. <laughs> call it, it's called the Milky Way. And how many stars in the galaxy called the Milky Way? Billions and billions. It's hard to imagine. But they haven't found a single planet like ours. Today they said they found one. Good for them. 
but there's trillions of planets there. She went, there's trillions of planets out there. Okay. So Ramban says, we're living in the age of Hester Panim. God does not do revealed miracles today, but he does hidden miracles. So how do we, what's our belief lynched in? What's that, what do we lynch our belief in today? Ah, he says, mitzvot. When you do a mitzvah, that mitzvah reminds you of a miracle that happened already. Man, there's many mitzvot today, like, for, for example, you said, a person keeps Shabbat. What are the two reasons for keeping Shabbat? To remember... Remember what? Remember creation. The sixth day is God created, and the seventh day he rested. Remember creation. When you keep Shabbat, you're remembering a massive miracle. You've got to remember remember this. When you keep Shabbat, we keep Shabbat for. I'm keeping Shabbat to fly the flag. This is my flag. I believe in God, the creator of the world, to create the world in six days and rest on the Sabbath. That's why I keep Shabbat. The second reason why we keep Shabbat. What's the other thing? Yetziab is right. To remember that God took us out from bondage. We're not slaves anymore. Slaves cannot rest. The fact that we're resting shows we're not slaves anymore. God took me out of Egypt. I believed in a miracle of coming out of Egypt. You know how mir- it says not a single slave ever escaped from Egypt until the Jews left. No one could escape Egypt. It was just... They had so much voodoo and black magic. It says they had these animals guarding. I don't know what they were. These all voodoo. They, they put into people's heads. It's impossible to escape. There were no f- fences. There's no guards. There's nothing. Just they had uh, these statues around Egypt, and people believed that there were gods protecting Egypt, the borders of Egypt. There was a god called Baal Safon, which it says the Jews were camped by Baal Safon. There was a god. They had sphinx- sphinxes. What's it called sphinxes? What's the plural of a sphinx? <laughs> <laughs> Moshe ran away. Yes, you're right. But he was, yeah, he wasn't really a slave. So not a single slave escaped. He was a free man. Moshe was a free man. He was son, a poor Paro's son. But he wasn't a slave. Not a single slave escaped from Egypt. Amazing. Not a single slave escaped from Egypt. So when doing mitzvot, a person can remember the mitzvah is because why did God give us this mitzvah to remember the mitzvah, the miracle. So when a person does a mitzvah, we've got to plug into that miracle because the miracle reinforces our belief in God. The miracle reinforces our belief in God. I'm, doing, I'm keeping Shabbat to remember the miracle of creation. I'm keeping Shabbat because I remember, remember the miracle of coming out of Egypt. We're not in Egypt anymore. We're free. It's a miracle we're free. It's a, we don't understand. We're free. It's a miracle. When I, uh, he said the mitzvah of mezuzah. It's hard to see. You know, you know mezuzah, we've passed so many mezuzah in our lives. But how many of us have an interaction with the mezuzah? Have you ever stopped to think, okay, maybe a person kisses mezuzah? Why are you kissing mezuzah? Why do you kiss a mezuzah? Do you have to kiss a mezuzah? Is there a law that you kiss a mezuzah? What happens if the mezuzah falls down? Someone asked me last week. What do you have to do? Huh? It falls down. What do you have to do? Check it. No. Nothing. You just put it back up. You have to fast? No. You have to go big fur? No. Put it back up. But if Sefer falls down, that's a different story. That's something else. I'm not going to talk about that. That's, that's too serious. But a mezuzah, a person when he passes a mezuzah, should have an interaction with Hashem. Hashem is guarding my door. It's great. It's a great idea. It says uh, the, king, the king of Rome, Caesar, Antoninus, he sends Rabbi Nasi a bag of gold, silver, precious stones, and gives him a present. Rabbi Nasi gives him back a parchment. Mezuzah. He says, You are cheap. I give you a bag of stones. I give back precious stones worth billions of dollars, and you give me back a piece of paper, parchment. He said, "Listen, the, the bag of gold that you sent me, I had to hire guards to guard. The parchment I sent you will guard you. Hashem will guard you. The big difference. 
we don't really appreciate. We put a little parchment outdoors. You see the most secular Jew in the most secular place, they put these little parchments on their door, just hope they're kosher, that's all. Because there's so many ganavim out there, so many robbers out there selling for counterfeit mezuzahs. It's amazing. Because you're be very careful when you buy a mezuzah, make sure you buy it from a reliable person who checks it and make sure it's reliably kosher. I had a case over here in town. Someone came to me, check my mezuzah, okay, no good. Comes again, no good. Comes again, no good. He said, I'm not coming to you again. My rabbi says, fine. It's fine, okay. Go to your rabbi, that'll be fine. Okay. There's some suffering that will come to your house, and what's very good about that, aside from that you don't have to take everything down, they check, like, our front porch. Yes, you know, yes. We've been living there for so many years, and all of a sudden he said, you know, this porch needs a mezuzah. And yes. he measured our railing, and he got back to us. So sometimes something you don't even know yes. about. Yes. Uh, usually a porch doesn't need a mezuzah from the Torah. Without a, a without a bracha. So without a bracha, because there's no door. To have a door, uh, there's a machlo between the Rambam and the Rosh. The Rambam says every doorpost has to have a door. If there's no door, there's no mezuzah. But the Rosh, the Rosh says even uh, when it has no door, there's no mezuzah. So we put a mezuzah without, without a bracha. Some things you have to do without a bracha, it's not so, there's always a debate. Some things definitely need a mezuzah. People don't realize a gateway, even if there's no roof, usually it's a roofed area, but it, since it leads into a roofed area, because the Torah says, uh, and on your, on your gates. What gates are we talking about? We're talking about gates that lead into the city. For example, you go to the old city of Jerusalem, you'll find mezuzahs on the Jaffa Gate, on the Damascus Gate. They put mezuzahs. Amazing. Imagine they're beautiful. See a mezuzah on, your, on the big... They haven't taken them down, um, except in the Jewish quarter. They didn't take them down. Yeah, I'm sure they did. But we put them back up. They take them down, we put them back up. Not a problem. So it's interesting to have a mezuzah on your gates. Why? Because the gate leads eventually into houses. So whatever leads into a house, even though right now there's no roof, but it has a door. Massive doors. Amazing. Beautiful. You go up there, you see the massive mezuzah on the door. Or the, or the Jaffa Gate, on the Damascus Gate. Amazing. Beautiful. Zion Gate. Dung Gate. In Krakow, you can see the Jewish houses because... Where the they business was. Killed, they just pulled them off, and sometimes they even pulled them off and painted over them for so many years. So yes. if you know people, when I went there, someone showed me, look. And, and exactly the same thing in the Muslim quarter. In the Muslim quarter of the old city, you can see where the business Because in those days, what happened was, the Muslims always pulled out a mezuzah. What they did is, they made a hole in the, in the doorway, and they plastered the mezuzah over. So you couldn't really, you had to really dig into it to pull it out. So it's obvious you can see where they pulled them out. You can see it's, there's a hole over there. Amazing. It's beautiful. So today there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a group, Ateret Kohanim, which are buying back the old Jewish houses in the old city. In the Muslim quarter. They're very brave to live there. They? It's very sakanat for sure. It's very dangerous. They, they kill people in the old city. They just knife them. So the Jewish families living in these Jewish houses, which are owned by Jews for many years, and redeemed by Ateret Kohanim. So uh, there's yeshivot in I go there. I was walking through the old city. It's amazing. They take you there. They have yeshivot in the middle of the Muslim quarter. It used to be old synagogues that the Muslims just smashed in. The, the Jordanians took everything over. We don't re- people don't realize. They smashed a whole Jewish quarter. They smashed all our synagogues. They burnt all our books. And no one says a peep. The Jews are, you don't, don't care. All right. Baruch Hashem, we see a miracle today. Everything's being rebuilt. Everything's being re- redeveloped. Thank God it's a miracle. But not enough. It's not enough. So we all go back there. And we all live there. The, you know, it's amazing, but Jews are going back. And Jews are living there in the old city. And it's one of the signs of Mashiach, it says, the prophet Zechariah, when the young people and the old people be sitting in the squares of Yushalayim. People, you know, we're seeing it today in our, in our very eyes. We're, we're seeing the, 
this is a messianic age. We didn't get there. No, 100%. We're on the way. We're on the way to this messianic age. It's already happening around us. Just very hard to see because it's going up and down like the yo-yo. It's going up and down. Okay. So we talked about miracles. There's uh, three opinions over here. Number one is there's nature, and sometimes Hashem intervenes with nature. That's a miracle. Number two is miracles are built into nature. They're just pre-programmed into nature. They happen at certain times. It's already pre-programmed into nature. Number three is even nature itself is a miracle, Ramban says. But there's hidden miracles, which is nature, and there's revealed miracles, which are over nature. So what do we have today when we don't have miracles? And the answer is the mitzvah plugs us into the miracle behind the mitzvah. Many myths, what we do are to remember the miracles, like Shabbat, we said, like a mezuzah, like tefillin. All these are signs that God did these miracles. Uh, we find the Jews put blood on the doorposts, right? That's a sign. What's a sign? A sign, I believe, in miracles. Sign Hashem is going to come tonight and Hashem is going to jump over my house. Miracle, miracle. Tremendous. So tremendous. This idea of miracles. And we see many miracles in the Torah. Uh, now, not only do we believe in miracles, we believe in angels. What is an angel? So we know angels, there are different kinds of angels. They're good angels and they're bad angels. Now, the Pirkei Avot says an amazing thing. Pirkei Avot says, a person does a mitzvah, he just created an angel of defense. A person does an avera, they create an angel of destruction. Defense of who and destruction of who? And the answer is, we build our own prosecution case and we build our own defense case. A person goes to Shemaim, they'll see groups of angels. You say, who are these angels? These angels you created. I created angels. Yeah. All the deeds that you made have spiritual energies that create these spiritual beings in a spiritual dimension. And one day when our soul goes into the spiritual dimension, you'll see these are the angels you created. In fact, the result says the Shema, before we go to sleep, is to destroy all the bad things we created. That's why it's so important to say the Kriyat Shema. Before we go to sleep, it destroys the bad things that we create. So we create many things with our own hands. We can't even see, unfortunately. If we could see them, we wouldn't do them. Uh, honestly, we wouldn't. We'd be so scared and reviled and dis- disgusted what we created, we'll just run away from it. Sometimes we can see our effects of our deeds in this world. Sometimes they're disgusting and we see them and we can do it to Shiva. But the only problem is the spiritual deeds, we can't see what we create. We create spiritual things, we create spiritual energy. Suppose you're doing a beautiful mitzvah, suppose it creates a beautiful angel. Suppose there's a beautiful avira, they can also create a beautiful angel on the other side. So we create those angels. Interesting. Some angels we create, we have the power to create. We create, we create worlds and destroy worlds. Uh, Nefesh HaChaim, Rav Chaim Velozhin says in Nefesh HaChaim, he says, we have the power. One, one day Hashem will take us and show us. You see all those worlds over there that destroyed? You did it with your Averot. You see all those worlds over there that are new? You created them. So we create our future. We create, we create our future. Our future is made by us. How? With the mitzvot we do. We create our future in the next world. Our future in the next world is built by us. Are you happy? I'm trying to make people happy. <laughs> so we know, okay. So we know, the Rambam tells us in Hilchot Yisrael Torah there are ten kinds of angels. Different levels. Ten, ten kinds of angels. Wow, that's amazing. In fact, they're in our prayers all the time, every day. Uh, Ofanim, Hayot, Srafim, all these things are in our prayers in Yotzeor, right? We even emulate, we even say their words. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh are words used by the angels to praise God. Baruch Shem, Kevod Machoto. All these are words praising God. We say the Shema, right? Baruch Shem, Kevod Machoto, Lambayed. Moshe Rabbein went up to Mount Sinai and he sees, he goes up to the angels and he sees the angels praising God. Baruch Shem, Kevod Machoto, Lambayed. He says he stole it. If they praise God like that, I want to praise God like that. He told the Jews when he says Shema, 
Say quietly. I don't want the angels to hear. Except on Yom Kippur, we're like angels anyway, we can say it loud. It's interesting. So the praises we get from angels. Our prophets could see these angels and, and hear their praises, and they robbed them, they stole them. Angels are praising God. We, we want to praise God like angels. It's amazing. It's amazing to think we are praising God the same words that the angels praise God. That's wild. Uh, we know there are three famous angels, Gabriel, Michael, which was mentioned in the book of Daniel, which is one of the first books of the Torah to reveal us the names of angels. We never, the Torah does not talk about the names of the angels, right? It says the, we know three, three people came to visit Abraham Avinu. It doesn't say their names. We know the angel fought with Yaakov, and Yaakov says, what is your name? He says, why do you need to know my name? doesn't tell him his name. We know Manoach, right? That player, Manoach was the father of Shimshon. And he asked, what is your name? I don't, you don't need to know my name. So, no, we don't have names of angels before the book of Daniel. Daniel was the first one to give the name of the angels. He mentions two angels, Gabriel and Michael. And, uh, and we know the three angels that came to Abraham was, was Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Who is Raphael? What was he doing? He came to heal Sarah. He went to save Lot. Huh? I promised Sarah. Sarah, Sarah also, she did a miracle. Have a baby. But we know that uh, three angels. I, I think the reason why we don't name angels just that is because if we name them, then we're, we're limiting their powers, essentially. No? You're not limiting them, but you, what you're doing is says, we're scared to mention the name of angels because they said when you mention their name, then you have a certain ability to ask them to do something for you. So they get upset if you call them too many times. So we don't, you know. But anyway, it's interesting. But they just, okay. Uriel and other names. Okay, I'm not going to go through the names of angels. But there's many angels. So there's ten different types of angels. Now, what is the angel's function? And the answer is an angel is called a malach. A malach means a messenger. A messenger. When God says, you go and do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Different, different messages. Each one is programmed. Really, an angel is really the first computer, the first uh, robot. An angel is a robot. It doesn't have free choice. It's programmed to do certain things. That's it. So, Gabriel, severe judgment. Michael, God's kindness. Raphael, healing. Every angel has a specific task. That's why Hashem has sent three angels. You do this, and you... Each one, I can't, the angel can't do more than that specific task he's created to do. Interesting. They're not multitasking. Angels can't multitask. They're created for that specific purpose. His name is his purpose. That's his name. And then we have angels created by us. A person fulfills a mitzvah, acquires for themselves an angel of defense. A person who does a transgression acquires himself an angel of prosecutor. Pirkei Avot, chapter 4, Mishnah 11. Very, very important. We read it in Pirkei Avot. It's right there. We, we read it, we're blind. We ourselves create angels. What amazing power Hashem gave us. Okay. Miranda Bukhim says, angels are also nature. Nature is also an angel. Which means nature is created by God to do a specific task. And that's also uh, angel. Okay. Uh, then we have a debate. When a person sees an angel, are they actually seeing him physically or is it a vision? Ramban says, when you see an angel, you're actually seeing him physically. You can see with your eyes, you see something physical. The three angels appeared to Abraham and he gave them food. These are physical beings that came down to this world and ate. Rambam says, no, you can't see angels physically. It's a vision. Whenever it says the Torah says someone saw an angel, who's the first one in the Torah to see an angel? Who can tell me? Who is the first person mentioned in the Torah to see an angel? Huh? 
quickly, quickly, quickly. I'll give you a clue. Starts with a hey. Huh? Hagar. Yeah, it's very strange. Hagar was the first one to see an angel that we that it's written about. She runs away from Sarah and she's in the desert and she's dying. No water. And the angel comes to the Malach Hagar. What do you want, Hagar? <laughs> it's amazing. So she sees an angel. And so she apparently she was used to you saw angels in Abraham's house. She wasn't scared. She saw angels in Abraham's house all the time. So she knew it's an angel. But Ramban says she saw with her physical eyes, some physical, and Ramban says she must have been in a vision, because you can't see angels physically. That's a great big debate, right? Can you see an angel physically? It's a spiritual being. Interesting. Okay, so I just want to make you happy. So we believe in miracles. It's very important to believe. We believe in miracles, even when the times are the toughest and the worst. Salvation of God is like Yeshua Hashem kecheref ayin. It's like the blinking of an eye. Hashem wants to save someone. That's the power of believing in miracles. Person believes in miracles. Hashem says, and that's famous Rambam. I just want to end off with this Rambam. The more you think about Hashem, the closer He is to you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.